far tonight, okay? Just letting you know that right now. We're not going to get far at all in this chapter. Uh, we should be able to finish it up next week. But ain't it been great to see Mrs. Ferguson here this morning and tonight? Yeah, she sits back there and smiles at me with such a sweet look on her face. My daughter said that last time she said something while I was up there, like a let it rip preacher or something like that, or something, something about being a fireball or letting it rip or something. You know why she's so happy and she's smiling back there all the time? She can't hear a thing I'm saying. <laughs> That's why she's so happy. <laughs> she's been, I, I know one thing for sure. I know she's been praying for me and for us and for this church. And uh, we, we love you. We're, it's, it's great when you're here. Uh, and we miss you when you're not. So I know I didn't notice you last week. But you deserve to be noticed. Because you you're not trying to be noticed. But you deserve to be. Uh, it's a, so encouraging to me to see you still in church. Still raising your hand during the song service, still saying amen, still wanting to hear a little kid preach. That's me, right? I'm just a baby, am I not? You need to tell some of these kids like Miss Waddell back there that I'm just a baby. They're all telling me how old I am. No, it's just a real blessing, man, so I'm glad you're here. Y'all need to calm down. You're acting out tonight. Anyways, oh man, what a blessing. All right, Revelation chapter 10, let's pray. Father, we love you tonight. Thank you, Lord, for our church. Thank you for what you're doing here. Thank you for these folks. Thank you for the ones that joined uh, the church this morning and uh, for more to join next week. Lord, a blessing, what a privilege. I ask you to continue to do among us what you're doing. Help us not to mess it up. Help us not to get in your way. Uh, Bless us now as we spend a few minutes studying your Bible and and looking at some references. Help us to get what we need from this. Equip us. Uh, Help us to get our eyes on Jesus Christ. And I pray you'd uh, uh, give everybody safety going home, good fellowship after the service, and then uh, please give us a good time on Tuesday. We ask you to bless the weather, help there not to be any storms or rain. I pray that we would uh, have good fellowship and a good time together as a church family. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, chapter number 10 in the book of Revelation. Now, what we've got here is another parenthetical chapter, all right? Uh, So, Revelation chapter 7 was the same way. If you remember in Revelation chapter 6, you had the first, second, third, fourth, and fifth, fifth and sixth seal. Remember that? And then there was a break. That break was chapter 7, a parenthetical chapter. Remember how we looked at that just a little bit ago? And then chapter 8, the seventh seal was opened, right? So when you come over here to the trumpets, you've got the same situation. Uh, in, the, in the Revelation chapter 8, you had the first, second, third, and fourth trumpet. Revelation chapter 9, you had the fifth and sixth trumpet. Then Revelation chapter 10 is a parenthetical chapter, uh, much like Revelation 7 was. So then we'll pick up the last trumpet here in Revelation 11 next time or in a couple of weeks. So here's, here's one of the things that I wanted to show you and I want to point out to you because we're going to be turning to some other passages tonight. We're going to be running around your Bible just a little bit and that's why we're not going to get very far uh, because I wanted to point out some things to you. So when you come to studies like what we're doing in the book of Revelation, and I told you this stuff's not that hard to understand. People's misconception is, oh, Revelation's so difficult. Uh, Revelation's not that hard to understand. It's just for some, whatever reason, for some people it's hard to believe. But if you believe the Bible, then the Bible's not that hard to understand. However, 
there are, there are keys or there are techniques to study in your Bible. And if you don't understand those techniques or those keys, if you don't understand how to use that tool that's in your hands, then you will be very confused and very messed up. I want to show you a couple of chapters before we start uh, the cross-references. We'll first get into Revelation 10.1, but go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 with me if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You need to understand how to, how to learn your Bible. And the reason that a lot of Christians get messed up in their Bible is because they don't know how to learn their Bible. They don't know how to study their Bible. Uh, this, all this, your interpretation, my interpretation stuff is a bunch of garbage. Um, well, well, my church believes, well, my preacher says what that means is. What happens is when most people come across something they don't understand, they try to force it to fit into what they do understand. Does that make sense to you? So here's an example of that. You go over there in the book of Matthew and it's he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Or if you don't forgive your brother their trespasses, neither will your heavenly father forgive yours, right? And so since they don't know how to study their Bible, that, but they do know that you're saved, like say some of the fundamentalists, they do know that you're sealed under the day of redemption and you can't lose your salvation. So when they come to a passage like, He that endureth to the end shall be saved, they try to take that verse and make it fit into what they do understand. Does that make sense? And what you do when you do that is you start correcting the Bible. You start saying, well, it might say that, but that's not what it means. What it actually means is, and what they're saying is, and they start resting the Scriptures to their own destruction. They start trying to make that passage fit what they do understand. Rather than studying the Bible the way God tells you to study the Bible. God explains to you in the Bible how to know your Bible. I want you to know, here's what I'm trying to say, I want you to know that you have the truth. I want you to know that there's a reason that we're so dogmatic about certain things and we're so sure of ourselves when it comes to some of our doctrine. It's not because we're arrogant and we think we know it all and nobody else knows it. It's not because we're stubborn and, we're, and we got blinders on and we're not willing to look at other perspectives. It's not a matter of perspective, it's a matter of Bible. And the Bible tells you how to study the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look at verse 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know, I like that, that we might know that we, uh, the, the things that are freely given us of God, which things also we speak, not in the wisdom which man, the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, watch it, Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Alright? So, you have to compare, a great application, Scripture with Scripture. You compare spiritual things with spiritual. Now, notice something else, though. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. So one of the things about studying your Bible is that if you don't have a prayerful attitude and a humble heart towards God, if you're not asking God to teach you the Bible, you will not be able to learn your Bible. That's spiritually discerned. So a, a lost man getting up and preaching and trying to teach you Bible, which a lot of religious leaders do, I will guarantee you they're going to confuse you half to death and make a complete mess out of what they're trying to teach you. All they can do is force everything to fit into their perspective rather than show you what's being said here and what we know it is and why we know that, right? 
And so when you come to a passage there, it's not like really, really, really 100% clear. What you got to do is compare that spiritual passage with other spiritual passages. And it'll give you some light on that passage. Because honestly, God didn't make every single verse abundantly clear all the time. There are definitely confusing passages of Scripture, okay? What the false doctrines do is they make majors out of minors. They go to confusing passages and then they build doctrines around passages that aren't very clear. What a Bible believer does is he goes to an unclear passage and he interprets an unclear passage with the passages that are clear. And when you take that unclear passage and then you look at other contexts and other verses and you study your Bible the way God said to do it, the, the light that the other scriptures shed on something you might not totally grasp looking just at that passage, when you put more light on that verse from other verses, you begin to see things you couldn't see before. All right? Go to another passage in, in study in your Bible. Go to the book of Isaiah. This is one of my favorites. I like this one a lot when it comes to learning your Bible. Uh, you also already know when we quote it all the time that you're supposed to rightly divide the word of truth. So if you don't rightly divide your Bible, you're not going to make any sense out of your Bible. But look at Isaiah chapter 28 and look at verse number 9. Isaiah 28, 9. Very interesting that in the context, well, let's just look at the context. Back up and look at verse 7. But they also have erred through wine and through strong drink are out of the way. Verse Isaiah 28, 7. The priest and the prophet have erred through strong drink. They are swallowed up of wine. Anybody know a religion that incorporates alcohol with its worship service? Isn't that wild to you? Ain't it wild to you that people, they, they obviously don't read their Bible. If, if I got up here on a, on a Sunday morning and bust out some hooch, said everybody line up, we're all going to have a sip. If you know your Bible, you should be like, whoa, wait a minute. That ain't right. They erred through strong drink. They're swallowed up a wine. They're out, they are out of the way through strong drink. They err in vision. They stumble in judgment. For all tables are full of vomit and filthiness, so that there's no place clean. Verse 9. Now, interesting in the context. Here's how to learn your Bible. Whom shall he teach knowledge? Well, your hand should be up. I, do you want God, do you God want, want God to teach you some stuff? I do. Whom sh and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? You want to know what you believe and why you believe it? I do. Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts, so you can't stay a baby forever. Uh, the milk of the word is salvation. The milk of the word is all those basic doctrines, all the simple stuff. And that's all really, really good when you're first saved. Eternal security, some, some, some small stuff. And, you know, when you first get in, you got to learn that stuff. How do I know I'm not going to lose my salvation? And what does it mean to rightly divide? And you start learning all the simple stuff in your Bible. But the time comes that you got to grow up a little bit. So how do you grow up? Them that are, uh, verse 10, For precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. Isn't it funny how he repeats himself? Do you see why I say just get in church and keep coming to church faithfully and steadily, one week at a time, week after week, month after month, year after year? 
And if you got the appetite for it, then plug in some good preachers. And if you don't know who to listen to, I got some I can refer you to. And when you're driving around, listen to some preaching here and there. Don't, don't overdo it, right? You don't eat so much that you vomit it. Hello? So it's okay sometimes if you just kind of like, you're good, right? But, but you should be developing an appetite for the truth. You should be faithfully coming and listening to the Bible being preached and taught. Let me tell you something. If you come sit in church and you feel like, well, I already know this stuff and I didn't get anything out of that. He didn't teach me anything I don't already know. You are an idiot, number one. You're nowhere near as godly and spiritual and developed and Bible knowledgeable as you think you are, number two. And something is wrong with your heart. You should be always learning something. The greatest black belts in the world have a white belt mentality. And when I get around guys that think they know it all, think they got it all already, I don't have the time of day for them. I literally don't have the time. What do you need from me? First of all, you're not teaching me a thing, okay? Even if you happen to catch me in something I'm wrong about, I don't care. He doesn't care that he's wrong. And that's not what I said. I said, if you catch me and I made a mistake, I've learned to get over that because everybody makes mistakes. And sometimes I catch myself, believe it or not. <laughs> Right? I don't like being around people like that. You know what I like being around people like? I like being around people that just get a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there, learn a little something, learn a little something more. Always learning, man, when it comes to that book. And you do it by line on line, precept on precept, here a little and there a little. Verse 11, for with stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people to whom he said... This is the rest wherewith we make, ye may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing. What? You know why it's nice to get in here? You know why it's so great being here? Yes, it's because we love each other and we get along. That's, that's, that, yes, that's great. But you know why we get along? <laughs> we get along because we're all here for one reason. We need to get fed. And when God feeds us and, and ministers to us and gives us a little something from the Bible and a little something from the Bible and a little something from the Bible, you know what it is? It's refreshing. It's a blessing. And it creates an environment people that are saved and love God want to be in. That's, the way, that's how he causes the weary to west. And this is the refreshing, yet they would not hear. But the word of the Lord was unto them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little, that they might go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. So you know what God does with the Bible? He gives you line upon line, precept upon precept, comparing spiritual things with spiritual to build you, help you, bless you, and explain to you the Bible. You learn your Bible by comparing Scripture with Scripture. Yes. And then you know what else He does? He'll give them line on line, precept on precept, doctrine after doctrine, scripture after scripture, and they'll use those scriptures to self-destruct. So they say, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church, and Peter was the first pope. And they'll say the 144,000, you know, you know, aren't Jewish male virgins in the tribulation period. And they'll say the, 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 the white horse rider is Jesus Christ with the bow. And they open the Bible and they turn to the passage and they show you the passage and they self-destruct. 
God's going to open that same book when they get to the judgment and turn to passage after passage, scripture after scripture, and he's going to compare spiritual things with spiritual and justly damn their soul to hell for eternity with the same Bible they used to damn their own souls because their hearts were not open to the truth and they weren't honestly studying their Bible the right way. I'm telling you right now, it's a double-edged sword. The Bible's a dangerous book. I like to witness. I enjoy it. Go to Revelation chapter 10, please. We'll get through a couple of, couple of verses here tonight. I, I like to study my Bible. I like to witness. But I have a hard time sometimes. Because when I go to witness to somebody and I know they just shut me off, you know what I realize I just did? I just made their hell hotter. I just made their judgment worse. That's tough, ain't it? I'm still responsible to give them the truth, but man, when somebody hears the truth and rejects it, that's a scary thought, boy. That's a scary place to be in. And God's given us a lot of light. It's an awesome responsibility. So you young people need to keep that in mind because God's trying to put some stuff in you. I'll tell you this much, and this isn't even in my notes or part of this thing. I'm not going to chase this rabbit too far, but I've got to say it. I'm telling you right now, you leave out of here, backslide on God, quit coming to church, and go do your own thing in the world. And you've already been here enough to where what you've been given, I'm telling you, man, you better be careful. You've been given enough truth already to where it'll come after you. That's a scary thing, ain't it? And the same truth that you've been given will help to feed you and develop you and grow you and bless you and change the course of your life for the good of God and your own good. And Man, what a great thing. Revelation 10.1, I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow was upon his head and his face was as it were the sun and his feet as pillars of fire. About 100% sure that this mighty angel is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to show you why. When you look at that and just leave it there and don't give light on that passage from other scriptures, you could be pretty confused. But what it looks like we have in Revelation chapter 10 is a parenthetical chapter where the opening of the seals here has stopped, or the trumpets here has stopped, right? And somewhere, probably toward the end of the tribulation period, Jesus Christ makes an appearance to Israel. All right? So somewhere getting near towards the end, because we're obviously past the halfway point, he makes an appearance, and this is the appearance. Now, how do we know that? Well, we got to start comparing Scripture with Scripture. Go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 7. What I want you to see is, is the comparisons. Another, I saw another angel, a mighty angel, excuse me, come down from heaven clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head, right? And his face was as it were the sun and feet as pillars of fire. So, so get that image in your mind and don't forget that image while we look at these other passages. It says, Behold, he cometh how? With clouds. And every eye shall see him and they also which pierced him and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Well, that's interesting. Go back to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Verse 
Look at verse 9. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up. And a what received him? Isn't that interesting? There's a cloud there. A cloud received him out of their sight. Uh, it gets even better. Go back to the book of Ezekiel. Uh, folks, we're just going to scratch the surface. This is all over your Bible. The Lord Jesus Christ is, is all over this book like you wouldn't believe. I mean, man, to, to, to get our eyes on him someday is going to literally be mind-boggling. We're going to see in one of these passages here some pretty interesting stuff about the Lord. Probably going to be the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your entire life. I mean, nothing like it. I'm not just talking about just our love for him. I'm talking about when you actually lay eyes on him, he's going to blow your mind. I believe, I, yeah, you're crazy. Okay, whatever, I don't care. You'll see when we get there. I think it's just going to blow your mind to see him. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 30, look at verse 3. Ezekiel 33. For the day of the Lord is for the day is near, excuse me, even the day of the Lord is near. Look at what day it is. <laughs> Ain't that interesting? A cloudy day. And it shall be the time of the heathen. Well, that's weird. It shall be the time of the heathen. A cloudy day. We're not done yet. Ezekiel chapter thirty four. Look at verse 12. Therefore, thou son of man, say unto the children of thy people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him in the day of his transgression. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turneth from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to... Wait a minute, I'm in the wrong chapter on it. Yes, I'm reading 33. I'm like, this ain't right. All right, here we go. Ezekiel 34, 12. Sorry about that. Y'all are like, what Bible's he reading from? <laughs> Thought for sure he was a King James man. He sure did trick us good. Ezekiel 34, 12. I'm like, it'll show up here in a second. I'll see it. I'll see it. No, I'm not seeing it. There it is. Thank you, Brother Mike. As a shepherd seeketh out his flock in the day that he is among his sheep that are scattered... So will I seek out my sheep. Who's his sheep? It, it, who, who are, who, it's Israel. He came unto his own. He's, talking, he's prophesying here of Israel. I will seek out my sheep and will deliver them out of all the places where they have been scattered in the what? Cloudy and dark day. That's the tribulation period when Israel's scattered and their Messiah is going to show up. You got a parenthetical chapter in Revelation chapter 10 popping up somewhere toward the end of the tribulation period because Jesus Christ makes an appearance somewhere toward the end of the tribulation period to Israel. That's wild, huh? And it's a cloudy day, a dark day, and the clouds are always there when Jesus is showing up. It's a wild thing. Uh, that's not all. Go to uh, Zephaniah, if you would. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. Zephaniah. Zephaniah chapter 1. Zephaniah 1, look at verse 15. 
You ever read through some of these uh, minor prophets and get all confused? Yes. <laughs> what in the world is this talking about? Well, the more we study Revelation and run references and the more we talk to you about rightly dividing the word of truth, the more you sit there and do your own devotions and you go, well, that makes a, that makes a lot more sense. Okay. Oh, that's got to be dealing with. Okay. And it starts popping for you. And for whatever reason, when you start being able to place these passages and understand doctrinally speaking what they're talking about, because of the way we preach, expository preaching you will learn how to make spiritual application to your personal life. And God will speak to you out of that Bible, even when you're reading through something that has nothing to do with you doctrinally, has to do with the Jew and the tribulation period, your devotional life will get better. That's why the first application of Scripture is doctrine. When you know your doctrine, all of your Bible begins to help you more than ever before. So this cotton-picking stupid lie that these guys make up, the fundamentalists, a lot of them will say, that those of us that believe in rightly dividing the word of truth, we throw out parts of the Bible that don't apply to us, and we only believe when reading Paul's books and all the Bibles for you. And you ain't never found a real Bible believer that truly rightly divides the word of truth that has an attitude towards the Old Testament passages like they don't apply to us and they don't matter. Rightly dividing guys that preach the Bible, like, like really believe the Bible and rightly divide the Bible, they oftentimes are Old Testament preachers. And these stinking fundamentalists that don't rightly divide the word of truth or some of these other charismatics and all that stuff accuse us since we believe in rightly dividing of throwing out the Old Testament. They're full of baloney, man. It ain't true. You need to understand this stuff. Notice verse 15. That day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wastefulness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet. And alarm against the fenced cities and against the high towers. You know what's going on, man? That's a tribulation period. You, you guys ever, you, you guys think about this, a day of clouds and thick darkness. I don't, am I, I can't be the only one. I can't be the only one that's walked outside in the last few weeks and seen that orange sky. No, 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 no. I'm talking about the smoke from Canada. Ain't it weird? Now, come on. You haven't thought. We're going through Revelation right now. We talked about opening up the pit and the smoke coming out, and you didn't think about that. And it's all over through the air, and it's affecting people's lungs, whoever was just coughing. You're all like, I'm getting a sore throat, and I got a little weird in my chest, and like, you're breathing the stinking smoke. It's been great out on the trail. Nobody else is out. We love it, but you know. Isn't that weird? Can, could you imagine if, if hell had been opened up? Smoke's pouring up out of there. It's a smoke like you ain't never seen. It's a cloudy, dark, gloomy time. And the world is in great tribulation. Because the wrath of God is coming. Man, aren't you glad you believe in a rapture? <laughs> man, a blessing, man. Just what I'm seeing is weirding me out enough. All right, let's look at a couple more. I want you to go to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Daniel, Joel, uh, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. So find Daniel and go back towards your right. Joel chapter number 2. Look at verse 2. Now you can look at verse 1. Blow ye the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble, for the day of the Lord cometh, for it is nigh at hand. 
a day of darkness, see it? And of gloominess. A day of clouds and of thick darkness. As the morning spread upon the mountains, a great people and a strong, there hath never been the like. Neither shall be any more after it, even to the years of many generations. It's a dark and cloudy day. All right, Daniel chapter 7. Go back to your left, find Daniel, look at chapter number 7. We're beating it to death, only one or two more on, on this piece of it, and then I want to show you some more about Christ. Dial it in for you, who I believe, no question, this guy is in Revelation chapter 10. Daniel 7, look at verse 13. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds. See it? And came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. There's clouds showing up. This mighty angel shows up with clouds. It's, it's an appearance toward the end, not at the end, toward the end of the tribulation where he appears to Israel. And that nation gets born in a day. Go to Psalm 104. Psalm 104. Look at verse 3. We're just making that connection for the most part, that connection of clouds with Jesus Christ and the darkness and gloominess connected with the tribulation. 104.3. <clears throat> Here's a good one. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters... Here, watch this. this. I think this is so cool, man. I don't know how it works, but it works. It's so cool. Who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. He maketh the clouds his chariot. <laughs> Lord jumps on a cloud and comes riding in. Isn't that interesting? He walketh on the wings of the wind. What do you mean? I don't know. It's cool. Clouds are connected to him. And he comes with clouds. He walks on water. Moves on the wind. He does what he wants. He's God. And when Jesus Christ shows up, he comes in on, the, on, the, on those clouds. Those clouds are there connected to it. Uh, look at uh, Malachi. Uh, no, go back to Daniel. Go back to Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10. Ah, this, this is really cool. This one's, <laughs> this one's neat. So you notice the mighty angel had clouds and it said a rainbow on his head, right? Revelation, Daniel chapter 10, verse 5. Then I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of euphaz. His body also was like the barrel. Now hang on, we'll come back to that in a second. And his face is the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of a multitude. What a, what a beautiful picture. He's clothed in linen, loins girded with fine gold. He's got gold on him. And then his body's like the barrel. His face like lightning, his eyes like lamps of fire, arms and feet like polished brass. But his body's like the barrel. I looked that up. Do you, do you know what, how many colors that can be? It can be green, blue, red, yellow, white, pink, purple, orange, and brown. Barrel can be all those colors. 
there's a rainbow. That, folks, Revelation chapter 10, verse 1, has got to be an appearance of Jesus Christ. And he paused in the process, giving you a parenthetical chapter to show you something. He's showing up in the tribulation. It's him. Now, don't it strike you funny that these homos run around with the rainbow and, and, and every offshoot of that stuff, all the sodomy and all the sodomites and what they do, they use a rainbow. And what they think they're doing is, you know, somehow mocking Noah and Noah's flood and the rainbow promise God put in the sky. But you better be real careful because you might be doing something even more than that. Who'd that rainbow represent? The salvation of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And they're shaking their perverted fists in his face. And then you wonder why he rains down the judgment of God on a nation. You wonder why your economy's jacked up and nothing makes any sense at all. And what the stock market versus the bond market is doing doesn't make any sense because what's supposed to be happening when one thing happens to the other and the reaction that's supposed to be and nothing's working the right way. And, and you think these problems are going to get fixed by Donald Trump if he gets in in 2024? You think that's going to fix the problem? You think God's going to be like, oh, okay, good. I guess we'll back off now. Everything's getting better. <laughs> they, don't even, they, they don't even get how filthy they are. How wicked they are. Rejecting the truth. And now you got saved people. You got people in churches today. Trying to say it ain't that big a deal. You got youth pastors in our area. Telling their kids it's not a sin to be homosexual. As long as you don't act on it. In our area. Supposedly evangelical, which means they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, you know, by grace through faith, salvation like you, telling kids in churches that it's not a sin as long as they don't act on it. And I have gay friends. It's not that big of a deal. You think a holy God's going to chill out about that? We better reach him while we can because I don't think we got that much longer. What a beautiful sight. In the pure holiness of God, the Son of God Himself. All right, that's not all. Got a couple more for you. Go to Malachi chapter 4. Malachi chapter 4. I'll quit, at, uh, I'll quit in about 13 minutes, all right? It'll be 6 o'clock. And we'll just pick it up. Uh, we'll quit wherever we are and we'll just pick it up next week. So that's the fun part about going verse by verse. I don't feel any pressure. Malachi chapter 4, look at verse 2. Here's a great verse. Uh, I want to read verse 1. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And that day that, the, and the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name... Shall the S-U-N of righteousness arise with healing in... What's your King James Bible say next? His wings, right? And ye shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. You know who that is? It's Jesus Christ. You know what you see in Revelation chapter 10? 
He shines like the sun. S-U-N. You know what your new Bibles do? They, make, they correct this grammatical error. The sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Why are we King James Bible? Oh, for a lot of reasons. Thousands of reasons. Here's one of them. When you switch the sun of righteousness, S-U-N of righteousness, it, you make it neuter. You take away the fact that that's teaching about Jesus Christ. That, to me, seems strangely weird when you have people over in Europe every year celebrating the rising of the sun, solstice and all that stuff. Strangely weird when you've got all these kind of religions that worship and pray to the sun. If you say it's, it can apply to the thing in the sky that you're looking at. But when you say his, you know exactly who the son of righteousness is. And his face shines like the sun. That's an amazing book you got in your lap. Every word of God is pure. And then the Greek scholars or Hebrew scholars come along and say, well, that's an unfortunate rendering and that's a grammatical error. And uh, We were down there a while back. Didn't, he do a, didn't Brother Donovan do a thing on uh, uh, like a grammatical errors to the King James Bible when we were there? Was that Sunday school? You guys remember that? Man, was that good. He went through and just showed a bunch of stuff they say are grammatical errors, and it was just amazing. And, and by the way, the, the grammar in this book smokes the modern-day grammar. It's not even close. So when you come across something that shouldn't say that, that, that's when I stop and go, all right, God, what's this mean and what you got here for me because I want some light on this because I'm telling you, every word in that thing is amazing. I like it. I like it when I get stuck on one. Because it gives me something to pray about and research. And every single time you figure out, man, God put that thing together immaculately. That Bible's perfect. The Virgin Mary ain't, but that Bible is. Amen. I use the word immaculate. It made me think of that. Uh, did we already, yeah, we already looked at Daniel. Oh, Matthew chapter 17. Matthew chapter 17, verse 2. Let's see which one this is. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one too. Matthew 17, 2. Uh, look at verse 1. After six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart, and was transfigured before them. And his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as lightning. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. Uh, now, we'll get to this a little while later, because Moses and Elias are a couple of guys that that are come back in the tribulation period and preach, and so does John. And so there's probably more that come back as well, but we know for sure these are part of them. What you got here is a beautiful picture. It's six days, you see that, right? How many years are you into, into human history? 6,000. I'm telling you right now, you're really close to the end. Now, notice the, the thing, of the, what I wanted you to see about this was when he was transfigured, his face is shining as the sun, S-U-N, that's Jesus Christ. He's bright. In a human body, if you stood that close to him and saw him, you'd burn up. Your sinful flesh could not stand there. You have to have a glorified body to get in his presence when he's glorified like that. Could you imagine when he comes down and touches down, and we'll look at it later, but he puts one foot on the Mount of Olives and splits it, and one foot on the Mediterranean Sea? How big is he? How, how, how big is he? And he lives in your heart? <laughs> he, 
He lives inside of me. My goodness, man. I, you can't figure that out. What a, what a God. Go back to Revelation chapter 10. I've got to look at the next verse here and run a couple references with you and then we'll stop. Look at verse 2. And he had in his hand a little book open. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth. Uh, we'll, uh, well, let's read the next one, but we'll get to it next week. And cried with a loud voice as when a lion roareth. And when he cried, seven thunders uttered their voice. Now, I've got some things to say on that later. We'll talk about that maybe next week. But I want you to see what this little book in his hand probably is. All right? So, again, your guess is as good as mine if you just look at this one verse and don't know any other verses. Do you see the point I was making to you when we started about how to learn your Bible? Because it's not as confusing as you think it is. You just got to learn how to study it. And you got to look up the references and cross-reference that, right? So when you look up a little book, and you try to find what that little book is, and find other verses that teach about that, you got some pretty interesting possibilities. Look at Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter number 12. Look at verse 4. Very interesting passage here. <coughs> But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. <laughs> Look, man, I, I don't know what your view of eschatology is, and I don't really care. You are so close, it's not even funny. Look at the increase of knowledge. It is demonically wild what they can do nowadays with genetics. They can manipulate stuff you cannot see, touch, manage with the human eye. It's, it's freaky. You can tell your computer to do projects for you and it will do projects for you. You can be an idiot and walk up and hand in a paper that is like, wow. Knowledge has increased. I got my first call this week from artificial intelligence. My phone call. The first one. And uh, if I wasn't a Bible believer and didn't have the Spirit of God in me, it would have creeped me out. Because I answered the phone, I said, oh, this is Mike. And it said, hi, this is Lisa or something like that. And then she said, it just do 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 And went on this spiel about something about, it was something about, oh, I don't even remember, it was a sales pitch spiel. And something about it, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just grab one, you know, business owner, some, something, right? And so just for sake of illustration to show you what I did, uh, and so she just kept going, you know, I just wanted to let you know your business and, and, and we were here to, and we would like to try to meet with you if we could and talk to you about it. And I realized like this ain't, I don't know how I knew it. I'm, like, I'm not talking to a person. And I said, oh, excuse me, Lisa. Lisa, 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 Lisa. Hey, Lisa, I don't have a business. And what the thing the computer did, because I was being so goofy, is it, 
it clicked, it, it, it did something, clicked, and it started, oh, hi, this is Lisa, just like the first time when it called. I just wanted, and started right back through the spiel again. I said, Lisa, you're not a person. Goodbye! And I hung up. <laughs> it wasn't like some of the other robocalls that I've gotten, right, with a voice where you can tell it was so real that that thing was ready to have a conversation with me. And since I went off script from what would be expected, the way it's programmed, it didn't know what to do with me, so it reset back to the beginning. So if you get a call like that, start singing, What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm going to heaven and you're going to hell because you're a demonic spirit. (laughs) And watch what it does. Yeah, in that voice, ladies, you do it. This is not a man. I don't care what you think I am or want to be. (laughs) Folks, knowledge has increased, man. And you're close to the time of the end, and God said, seal it up. Shut up the words and seal up the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, one on this side of the bank and of the river, and on the other side, uh, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard a man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, and when he held up his right hand and in his left hand and his left hand unto heaven and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times and a half. And when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. You know what he's saying? Uh, oh, look at verse nine. He said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed to the time of the end. He's got a book in his hand. Now, now, when you look at Revelation chapter 10, verse 2, we're gonna, I'm going to stop right here. This angel comes and has a little book open. What's that book doing? Is that book closed and sealed up? It's open. Who's worthy to open the book? I, I'll, 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 I'll about bet the bank on it. That's the book of Daniel in the hand of Jesus Christ. Showing up to Israel. Now, we'll run the rest of the references next week, and I'll show you him showing up to Israel. And Israel turning to their Messiah, realizing who he is. And he, he shows up to them in an appearance. And we'll show you the types. Paul's a type. He shows up to Paul. When Paul saw the Lord, he got, he's a type of Israel. When Israel saw, sees the Lord, a nation's born in a day. We'll run some of those references with you from the Old Testament and show you. Israel turns back to their Messiah toward the end of the tribulation period. Before they're right about wiped out, they turn back to him. He shows up like he did to Paul. Ain't it funny that then Paul goes and preaches to the Gentiles? And the tribulation period's the time of the heathen. And the 144,000 are preaching to Gentiles. And Moses and Elijah are preaching to Gentiles. That Bible in your lap's amazing. And we made it through uh, one and a half verses. So we'll be done sometime. Uh, w- no. We'll be done sometime uh, at the marriage, after the marriage supper of the land in the millennium when the Lord finally teaches us this thing and gets us through it. All right. So uh, we'll go ahead and stop right there for tonight. It's six o'clock. I feel so good. I can't.